Hi, and welcome to episode two of the Very Clever Doctors Clinic podcast. None of the doctors featured are very clever, and that remains the case because it's still myself, Dr. Mike Clements, and my colleague, Dr. Mark James. And this week, we're talking about smoking, and in particular, we talk about vaping, which, of course, has seen a meteoric rise in use. And I think we thought when this first started that it was probably quite safe, but it's, you know, there's a suggestion that it might not be now. So if you're interested in uh, smoking and vaping and some of the health issues around it discussed in hopefully an amusing manner, then stay tuned for the second episode of the Very Clever Doctors Clinic podcast. So one of the biggest health risks, or probably the single biggest health risk, in terms of behaviours that patients do or people do in general because not everyone's a patient although it's only a matter of time Mm -hmm. uh, is smoke and i've seen uh, both personally and professionally the consequences of smoking although i did used to smoke myself did you ever smoke no i've never smoked oh you can be very self-righteous then both my parents smoked although they've they've stopped now and uh, i think that put me off i think Mm. Uh, my father smoked, um, and he was very good. Uh, he managed to stop uh, very quickly. It only took until he'd had his second heart attack yeah. before he <laughs> decided, about right. decided to bin the fags. Um, and it may very well be, it's a little more complicated, but my mother, who was a publican for a good two or three decades, um, probably had some passive smoking-related mm. disease, having worked in the 70s and the 80s in... Mm densely densely uh smoke-filled pubs which i grew up in you, mm. could, you could cut the mm. the atmosphere with with a knife and smoking's on the decline mm. you know we see uh we've seen a massive drop in the, in the number of people who are taking up smoking cigarettes that is and uh, a big decrease in people who have been smoking who are now quitting but why is it why is it such a such a poor choice in terms of your health why is it probably the single biggest bad choice that you can make i think there is so much evidence around the long-term ill health effects of smoking and it's so well known and it's so well talked about and the fact that there are actual you know you know it's a government bans and various things have made a difference there is a huge amount of evidence although it took an awful long time it took 20 odd years and it wasn't until late 1970s that evidence was coming through to actually prove that smoking was unhealthy but it is unhealthy it increases your risks of lung disease and especially lung cancer as well as you know what we call chronic obstructive pulmonary disease disease where you get a, a gradual reduction in the functioning of your lungs way beyond your years um, risk of lung cancers, risk of ischemic heart disease, so heart problems, stroke, it raises your cholesterol. There are there are many many things that it's bad for. So you said lung cancers twice. Is that so? It doubles your risk of lung cancer. It no, it. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly, but something like ninety percent plus of lung cancers are directly related to smoking. So for us to see it in non-smokers is unusual. 
Uh, it's not impossible, um, and, but even then, often it's related to other things that the person's been exposed to, like asbestos or dust mm. or something. So, so actually, you know, ninety percent—I think it's ninety percent—of lung cancers are related to smoking. I used to see patients now and again who would still deny the long-term health effects of smoking and the consultation would usually start with my grandmother was 93 and she smoked like a chimney do you think that that still persists i haven't seen that for a little while i think it doesn't now i mean it's a little bit like the uh you know seatbelt law when it came in well i know of somebody who got strangled by their seatbelt because their car uh, that undoubtedly exists but it is minute compared to the benefits so it's the same with smoking i, I you know i, I don't I, I don't hear as often anymore now the um experience of somebody they know that lived to be 99 and they smoke like a trooper because there is so much you know nobody um thinks that smoking is a healthy thing to do. People might choose to do it, but they all know, I think, the risks of it now. But there was some evidence that suggested that smoking reduced or at least suppressed the symptoms if you had some forms of inflammatory bowel yeah. disease like Crohn's so, and colitis. So nicotine is an anti-inflammatory, basically. So actually, I've uh, three or four times seen people who have developed colitis and once an, an arthritis having stopped smoking because it actually has a very weak anti-inflammatory effect. So would those people so, be better smoking? Uh, no, they would still. I think the, uh, it's the balance of the risk. So the risk of lung cancer and serious things probably outweigh the risk of, of in developing inflammatory bowel disease. How do you explain it to patients? Explain what to patients? Why they shouldn't smoke. Okay. So here's the thing. So... When I qualified, it was all about telling patients to stop smoking because of the health benefit, health benefits and the health effects of smoking and why they should be stopping it. Now, I think no patient I see knows, doesn't know that it is unhealthy to smoke. So I think telling people to stop smoking is of no use whatsoever. What we need to be doing, certainly as GPs, is understanding why somebody is not able to stop smoking, which is very different so there's a cycle, you know, where are they on this cycle of change that's stopping them from stop stopping smoking? So you And you see this amongst sort of training doctors is that um, when we have scenarios and a patient is smoking and it's impacting their health and the doctor will say, you must stop smoking. Oh, well, I, yeah, I've tried, but I can't. We just, they just reinforce it. More information. Oh, we just, we, we must stop smoking because it's really serious. And so they tend to say, well, look, you've got a risk of getting lung cancer and things. Patients know these, that that is not what's going to help someone move on. So uh, uh, a typical example would be a lady who was probably in her mid-40s and her smoking was starting to impact her lung function and starting to affect her health. And, um, you know, uh, same thing, you've got to stop smoking. And actually I said, I wonder why it is that you can't stop smoking. And actually she told me that, okay, here's the real reason, doctor, um, uh, my husband's already had one affair and if I stop smoking I'm going to get fat and he might have another affair so I'm not stopping smoking so until we got to that point the understanding why that person was unable or unwilling to stop smoking it was of no help whatsoever for me just to tell her again and again you must stop smoking so it's about trying to understand why a patient is unable to do something when you're trying to elicit behavior change in somebody and smoking is a classic thing so i've read the same evidence that you have that that's the way to do it but 
in my personal experience, I can give the information. And the way that I uh, present it is I do it as the decision has already been made. So mm-hmm. I don't give the patient the option. I don't even say, where are you thinking about stopping smoking? I say to them, when are you going to stop smoking? Because mm-hmm. everyone stops smoking eventually. Mm. And you may stop smoking earlier in your life because it's killed you earlier. You're quite right. We understand the very long-term health consequences of smoking. But I, I still wonder whether patients truly do, especially if they're younger. Because when I was in my early 20s and I smoked, and I never, you know, and I'm just about to minimise that risk. Even now, I'm about to say, but I didn't smoke that much. Mm-hmm. I only smoked mm-hmm. kind of 10 cigarettes a day. So even I'm minimising the risk now, 20 years later. But that was a real and prevalent risk. And I understand that. Mm. now in a way that I didn't when I was in my 20s and those risks seemed so abstract as I guess they do because you're indestructible when you're that age so I present it now when when are you going to stop smoking mm-hmm. you know, what, when, when's the when when's the time going to be right for mm. you so why why aren't you saying what what is it that's stopping you from smoking? Because actually, I would challenge you a little bit on that in that lots of the studies show that if you sort of categorically say to somebody, you know, this will kill you, and this is what registrars think, training mm. doctors think, that if they absolutely say this is the most single biggest thing you can do, it doesn't still help the person who's struggling to stop smoking. Something. Of course, some people will stop smoking if you hassle them, but generally it doesn't. It's trying to understand what it is that's stopping them from smoking which is the real crucial bit and I probably didn't explain that very well what I do is I say when are you going to stop smoking and what do we need to do oh, to right. get okay. there cool yeah. yeah so you're doing just exactly so you're just starting with that starting in a different yeah, yeah. And, it, and it because I my personal feeling is starting with that conversation of when you, you know what, mm. what do we need to do it's mm. all quite mm. it feels a bit wishy-washy to me whereas if I say when are you going to stop smoking mm it is a little more confrontational. It feels like it makes people sit up a bit more. It doesn't work all the time. Sure. And indeed, people do sometimes, patients do sometimes react quite negatively to that. And then we have to take a different uh, slant on it. But I think you're right. I think everyone knows, intellectually mm. at least, if mm. even if they don't feel it. I, I don't think there's many people that would deny now that smoking is incredibly damaging to mm. your health. What is it in terms of that health damaging do patients worry about the most, if they worry at all? I think they probably worry more about lung damage long term than they do about anything else. And they're not always fully aware of the fact that you can say increases your cholesterol, your heart problems, you know, can fur up your arteries, all these other things. I think that and, and actually it's linked to other cancers, not not just to lung cancer. So um, I think people probably, I think lung cancer is probably the single biggest Mm. thing that somebody would worry about. That's been my experience as well, but it's not the thing that I would worry about as a smoker, as a doctor Mm. who was a smoker. Although I must say, I don't know any doctors these days that smoke. Mm. Mm. Do you? Interesting. Nope. No, actually, yeah, actually, no. I know a couple of registrars who admit to me they smoke, but it's very, you know, social smoking. And not that's how they, again, that's what they tell me. Maybe that's how they justify it. That there it's, you go. So they're minimising. I only smoke three or four or five a day, and only you know at weekends, so it's hardly worth me worrying about. Yeah, absolutely minimising the mm. risk. Just like I only mm. smoked like ten a mm. day. Um, so yeah, we do that. We do that harm minimisation, don't we? We say that mm. actually, it's not going to affect us because we don't do it mm. as much as 
Mm. The guy who's smoking forty fags, I only drink two bottles of whiskey a day. Mm. Mm. Um, and this is a this is young people's approach. You know, they're indestructible as far as they see it. We we know this because of risk taking behaviour amongst younger people. So sort of, you know, they don't see. You know, obviously, you know, you the, it's not at all unusual to have a conversation with somebody in their mid to late forties or even early fifties who come and say, "I've got a cough. I've had it for six months." And you smoke, and you say, "Do you think it could be related to smoking?" No, I smoked for twenty years. I never had a cough until now. So it's that sort of, you know, feeling that it can't be that because it's never caused a problem mm. because actually you're not seeing the damage that it's doing on a tiny day-to-day, mm. week-to-month basis until it starts to impact. And then it's never been a problem before, so it can't be that. What I see is, or what I hear quite a lot, is patients saying, uh, well, it wouldn't bother me if I if I dropped dead in the street from a heart attack yeah. related to smoking. And sometimes facetiously, if I know the patient well enough, I will say, and admittedly, I've only done it a couple of times, so I'm doing this as much for effect as I do for reality. Mm. But I say, well, it doesn't particularly bother me if you drop dead in the street either, because it's a fairly easy diagnosis for me to make, and you're not costing the NHS Mm. any more money. So actually, it's win-win, isn't it? Mm. And you didn't get to know anything about it. So you've died quickly and happily without suffering. I can make the diagnosis and you're not costing any money. So that's not the thing that worries me mm. in terms of smoking related diseases. But I think that's how a lot of people think is actually I'm going to keep smoking because it doesn't it doesn't bother me if I die 10 years earlier. But the perception is that you have this very sudden and quick demise, which, as you and I know, having treated the patients with the consequences of smoking related diseases your death is by inches over Mm. many many years so if you have your first heart attack because you've been smoking and it increases your risk you often don't die from your first heart attack but you end up a little bit disabled from it Mm. but then you go on to have your stroke and then you're quite a lot disabled from it and then you can't breathe properly because you've damaged your lungs over a long period of time so you spend the last five years of your life not being dead but wishing that you were Mm. dead because your life is so miserable because of the consequences and that's that was what turned it around for me Mm. medically about what actually i need to stop smoking i'm not worried about dying in the street and in fact that would not be such a bad way to go it's all of these long-term consequences that just disable me but it's like death by a thousand cuts that really worry me, and, and and in some ways even worse than that is the respiratory effects of not of, sm- of continuing smoking. So you know we've all and we see it less I think now, but we've all seen you know plenty of home visits on patients who are uh, attached to an oxygen cylinder and literally can barely walk you know five yards to the loo without gasping for breath, but are still continuing to smoke when you know th- those effects are directly related to years and years of smoking, and that's as bad I think. You know, and that goes on for years. And uh, there are often, there are sometimes cases of patients who blow themselves up mm-hmm. in the house because yeah. they have oxygen cylinders and yeah. decide to have a fag. And indeed, I was working in the uh, emergency department and we had a patient who was in, I can't even remember what we were in for, but we put an oxygen mask on them in the emergency department. And you know where this story is going. Mm. They decided to light up a fag. And it was um, it was like one of those old 1960s cartoons where the character lights like the fuse <laughs> and it runs up the fuse line. That's exactly what happened as this 
um, as the fire just mm-hmm. ran straight up the oxygen tubing into the wall. Now, fortunately, the wall supply oxygens have a have a, a cut valve off, and, yeah, yeah, valve to cut it off. Uh, but it was quite spectacular, um, and the patient was slightly but not life-threateningly burned Mm. so what do we think about uh vaping then or e-cigarettes which patients come and say to me well that's got to be a healthy option doesn't it so vaping's interesting in that um it is the evidence so far shows that it is likely to be much safer in the short term than nicotine use long term so so I think, in fact, they were talking about it recently, saying that on Radio 4, where I get most of my health uh, information from, that it was something like, a professor was saying something like 95% um, less dangerous than smoking. The, the vaping is, is the e-cigarettes are thought to be less risky mm. because they don't contain all of the other stuff mm. that's in cigarettes, but they still contain the nicotine, which is the... Mm. addictive substance mm. they also contain i mean the, the the thing that's a worry is inhaling the oils and i think that so so if someone is using them to try to stop smoking and it's going to be relatively short use so it's an alternative while they're trying something else then it then it then it probably is quite a good option so if a patient comes to you and as as they have to me and has said well do you think i should start vaping rather than smoking cigarettes what What's your recommendation? Um, I would so at the moment I would be saying there isn't long-term evidence to show what the effects of vaping may be in the way of causing harm. There is some stuff starting to come through and talk about the things that we've talked about. Um, you know, if you're going to use this to stop smoking and, a, and, a, and as an alternative to smoking, then it's likely to be probably more healthy than smoking. But it may have some long-term issues that aren't clear and come through in you know five, ten, twenty years time. So that's a very doctory answer. Mm. So if mm. I'm your patient, mm. uh, so I'm, well, okay, doc, but shall I? Does that mean that I should or I shouldn't? It's up to you. I mean, I wouldn't because I mean, if you can do without it, if you can not vape and not smoke, that is by far the best thing. If you are either going to smoke or vape and you've got no option, then vaping is probably healthier than smoking at the moment. But that pos- that position might change. Which is the stance i take on it so if mm. a patient asks me well should i start vaping so well, why would you want to mm. why is that a better option than mm. just stopping smoking because that has to be the best option that has to be what we're trying to get to is the point at which you are not use you're not inhaling a nicotine based substance or inhaling to try and get some nicotine Mm. i mean would we not be better using if it's the nicotine that we're after why would we not be better using a nicotine replacement therapy which are safe Mm. they're effective and we have good uh, we have good research to show Mm. that it's successful in helping people to stop so why aren't we just continuing to recommend patches or lozenges Mm. or nicotine chewing well i think we are generally in in front of vaping i think that would be that would be another option again it's whether someone is taking it because they feel they need the habit or whether they feel they're trying to stop smoking so if they're only trying to stop smoking and you know nicotine patches and and being referred for some help and a scheme and there's lots of evidence show that increases your chances of stopping smoking so there's also this cachet to vaping isn't there that's still seen as a trendy Mm thing to do uh, amongst a certain within certain strata of society and there's also this very cynical marketing uh, 
mm. of these products to what is thought to be a younger mm. younger parts of the population by using very sweet flavored compounds in the um in the chemicals that are used in in vaping so it's not something that actually i recommend to patients so no. if they come and say well do you think i should start vaping I say well it's just not something i can recommend and p- patients will often say oh, do you smoke oh no i only vape as if it's completely health uh, like almost like a healthy alternative yeah um which is far from the truth mm. now you can then get into debate about harm minimization. So certainly there's lots of esteemed bodies that say that vaping is safer than Mm. smoking cigarettes. And that is probably true, but it's still not the healthiest Mm. option, which is not to to do it at all. Yeah. It's not to inhale Mm. atomized Mm. substances Mm. into your lungs. Mm. And yeah, I, I find it very difficult to say to patients, yeah, this is the right choice. Surely the right choice is just to stop inhaling shit into your lungs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely that. I mean, you know, the the evidence coming through is that it's unsafe and that there's going to be problems with it, but it's fairly small for the amount of the vaping that is going on and I think again if it's something that is going to help somebody to stop smoking it there may be a role for it which is I think where the sort of you know the experts advice is at the moment um especially as I mean I don't know how many, how many people have allergic reactions to paracetamol per year probably quite a few um but it's not something we would not recommend or advise to use so at the moment if there's been the one significant case in a 19-year-old who's clearly had some sort of allergic reaction, it would be a shame to stop using something that may help people or may be a safe alternative to people who are unable to stop smoking and have to smoke something um, because of that coming through. Do you think that is the case? Do you genuinely see patients who have made that decision, who are starting to... And we have a model called the Stages of Change model... Mm talks about how people change their behaviors and the stages they go through to get there so they've gone through that pre-contemplation stage and are starting to think about well what am i Mm. going to do to to minimize the health effects from smoking cigarettes my feeling is if they've already got there and are having that conversation isn't that the ideal opportunity for us to put in an intervention to actually steer you away and say well look that is an option you can take. You can go and vape, although I personally wouldn't recommend it. Um, or you could consider just stopping entirely. Mm. I mean, I think that's absolutely correct. But is that how realistic is that ability to stop entirely? So, I mean, I think if, you know, again, if somebody felt that it might help them to stop smoking, then I wouldn't dissuade them from doing it. I haven't seen much in the way of research that mm. supports it as an effective mm. intervention to stopping smoking. Mm. That's not to say that evidence doesn't exist. No. I just haven't seen it. Um, I My personal feeling is that people will go on to um, use long-term e-cigarettes. Mm. So they're just swapping one harm 
for a slightly less risk, potentially less risky harm. And that's not to say that it isn't just as risky because we don't have Hmm. the long-term information on what effects using e-cigarettes has. So in the same way that it took us well over 100 years to make the link between smoking Mm. and lung cancer for definite, it may be that in 30 years from now, we're seeing Mm. a big influx of a type of lung disease or some other disease that we can't imagine yet that's Mm. related to the use of e-cigarettes. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. I mean, it took 25 years of actual studies to demonstrate the link between. Um, So it could could be a, a while. But I guess we have to... We have to go on what is the current thinking, and the current thinking is that it is probably a lot safer in the medium term to vape than it is to smoke. But it's not going to be as safe as not doing anything, as not doing neither smoking nor vaping. Yeah, and, and it will positively be um, an issue if it's encouraging younger people to vape when they otherwise wouldn't have been smoking. I just worry about another thalidomide Mm. you know which was a drug Mm. that we prescribed i didn't prescribe because it was before my time but was prescribed for the treatment of Mm. morning sickness and pregnancy Mm. but led to very significant birth Mm. defects and my worry is not about birth defects but my worry is that we don't know the long-term consequence of, of this and and as you say, you know, as, as you correctly point out, this ain't the healthiest option and it ain't going to be good for you. Mm. Um, and, I, and I've had exactly the same experience where patients have come and say, yeah, well, I vape and that's okay. Well, it might be okay, but we'll need to wait another 20 to 30 years before we find out. Mm. If I was somebody who, was, who had a desire to do that, I wouldn't want to be the guinea pig mm. group for that experiment, for that long-term population experiment. I'd want to wait another 30 years before we're saying, well, actually, we've got the long-term research now and it shows that vaping is, isn't is harmful. And mm. so now I might consider doing it recreationally if I wanted to. I, I can't imagine why I would want to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, so Dr. Mark says, yes, I would recommend vaping because it is less risky. But Dr. Mike says, no, I wouldn't recommend it because I don't know the long-term effects. Does that, yeah. that be reasonable? I think that's reasonable. Okay, good. Uh, well, so we put that to bed. Uh, don't smoke cigarettes, um, but maybe vape. But even we're... Even vape. better, don't do either. Yeah, don't do either. That's the best option. So that's the end of the second episode of the Very Clever Doctors Clinic podcast. And we genuinely did think that this episode raised some interesting points, which we quite enjoyed mulling over in our heads and how we might advise patients regarding this. So we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did in making it. Our music was, as ever, supplied by Anthony Walters at Cinephonic, so thank you. And our graphics were done by Charlie Horn at Flaming Pumpkin. Uh, I was the producer on this, Dr. Mike Clements, with contributions from myself and Dr. Mark James. And this was a Sabre Media production. Stay tuned for episode three. (laughs) 